We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at Wednesday morning, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving. You're listening to this on Thursday morning. I'm joined today by Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press to kind of squeeze in one more show here prior to Thanksgiving, and that's because we will not have shows on Thursday and Friday this week. The next episode after this one will come out on Saturday afternoon, where Kyle Tige and I will get into whatever does happen uh, in Indiana on Wednesday night and Charlotte on, on Friday. It is possible that the, the Wolves by that point in time could be on a six-game winning streak, as crazy as that sounds. But for that to happen, uh, some of the positives that have developed on this four-game winning streak will need to sort of translate against teams that are healthier than the teams the Wolves have played here recently and just kind of against teams that are playing better uh, at least in the case of the Pacers. So, Jace, you and I uh, decided this was the topic we wanted to get into today. Just sort of what do we think will translate from the Wolves' current four-game winning streak? You wrote today about one thing the Wolves needed not to translate from from the winning streak, and that was this sort of idea that when Anthony Edwards has been going, particularly particularly in these last three games offensively, it really seems like his attention to detail defensively tends to wane in a major way in that he sort of stops doing any of the little things defensively, something, you know, this team just can't, they can't afford that when they are so short on, on wing defenders. So let's start there with that one, uh, with what you wrote about and just what you've been seeing specific to Ant in these offensive explosions, but sort of defensive lapses recently. Yeah, I think I, it was especially noticeable in that third quarter um, in the win over Miami. And it was like he's going off. He's making these great plays. Obviously, everybody sees where he's the low man and makes the block on Struess. And it's like, he's playing defense. Right. Uh, but then there are other possessions where he's guarding somebody in the corner um, and they leak behind him. And it's an easy cut and layup like we've seen this team do too many times. And there were two or three times where offensive rebounds um, he was just kind of a bystander and his guy would go in and crash and one time Torian Prince looked at him and threw his hands up like what are you doing and this is all in the middle of that third quarter where Ant is lifting the team offensively but doesn't mean like everybody including his teammates aren't frustrated when he's not also locked in on the defensive end and that's his path to being great is like 
doing it on both ends. And what I wrote today was like, I think it's getting more and more with teammates, coaching staff and whatnot. It's like, yes, we still love the scoring. We still love the points. Um, we still love those first, the energy, the enthusiasm it provides to the team and target center. But like, you got to be good everywhere else too. Like you're getting, you're in your third year. Now you're 21. Like, yes, that's still really young, but we see guys start to kind of have that click and it's time for him to start having these things click. Like it's like Chris Finch was basically like, yeah, it was, it was cool that he scored a lot. And yeah, like, yeah, it was cool. He blocked Max Struess there. I wish he could do that stuff more often. Um, you know, like, and it, it totally was like, we need more, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we need more and more consistently because you know, if you're going to be the guy who kind of leads this team, then that's got to happen more often. And it just is too in and out. Um, we think, think about consistency as scoring 25 points. It's not that. It's doing everything else uh, at a much higher level. Here is that uh, that clip from from Chris Finch. The, you know, he, as we always said, he's a, a home run hitter and he makes big plays and it feeds all everything around him. Um, in general, like, you know, he's done a good job of uh, finding his moments ever since he's been here, ever since I've been here, finding his moments of, putting a stamp on the game. Um, but, uh, you know, we got to make all the little plays all the time, too. I thought there were a number of times tonight, like, we could have put our body on the line for charges, and we didn't. Um, stuff like that. So, But we'll get better. So, Jace, like, I, I think this, it's a really important, like, the, the context of the Wolves roster to, to me here in, in this thing where, you know, there are a lot of, over the years in the league right now, there's a lot of those 25 a night scorer guys who do not consistently bring it defensively. And oftentimes, you know, you think about the James Hardens, Luka Doncic's, and those rosters have been specifically crafted in a way to kind of, you know, cover up those weaknesses that those, that those guys have. This Wolves roster is not right. They, they gave away so many of those pieces in the Gobert trade that really does, you know, demand Ant to be a high level defensive player like yes you add Kyle Anderson but Kyle Anderson is more a gap filler defensively and on the ball they really only have Jaden McDaniels that they can that they can go to when last year they had obviously we've been over this a million times Patrick Beverly Jared Vanderbilt as well Josh Okoge in spurts uh even you know Malik Beasley wasn't a great defender but was was somebody who worked hard at at point of attack defense so that's really the the point here, and it isn't it isn't to take away from what what Ant is doing defensively. It's just the when your expectation for your team is to be high level, as everyone in that organization believes, you know that's being a fifty win team, and to do that, you are not they're not going to be able to do that, in my opinion. If Anthony Edwards, it doesn't need to you know exercise this completely, but it, it needs to be. This is an area that needs to be consistent too, not just the the awakeness on offense. This again, I've been saying it kind of all year. This is the biggest difference maker in in my mind of what Ant is going to be able to do on that end. It's like it needs to get to the point where we point out the games where he doesn't do it. Where right mm-hmm. now, I feel like we're pointing out the games where it's like Ant is really locked in <laughs> defensively on and off the ball tonight, uh, particularly off the ball. That needs to be the norm, and it needs to be the nights where it's like, oh, he's not tonight. Like, rare mm-hmm. off night for Ant, rather than, oh, wow, hey, look, wow, he's actually playing off-ball defense tonight. Which does happen. Like, they're, they're, right. oh, that that's the thing. The only reason we're like, I mean, I don't know. Again, there's there's guys in the league who are really good, like a Lou Williams or something, right? Who, 
you you never put that expectation on him because you never saw him do it, right? I think, you know, D'Angelo Russell is is that way right. in, in many ways too. Ant, we have seen it from. We know he has the physical, you know, capability. It's it's just the in-tuneness to be able to to be able to do it, uh, you know, more often than he does. And I like the way you put that of like, yeah, it, it does seem that, and this is just part of the nature of, you know, highlights and clips that circulate on Twitter where, you know, he is turning a John Morant all the way up and down the floor, or he is guarding a Devin Booker. He is making the big block on Max Struess. Like those are great. They, they need those, but you, you would almost rather not have those flashes in the pan if it meant a higher level, like baseline from him. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would hundred percent feel that way. Just be solid. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, that's where like, and, and that other stuff isn't going to go away. You know, like the right. fact that it with a minute left, like he's going to play really good on ball defense uh, because he's physically capable of doing that. And we see a lot of guys in the NBA where they won't play much defense, but in the last minute they'll mm-hmm. like, you know, really try to put the clamps on somebody. Heck Dilo did it against Max Struess. Right. Um, and granted Max Struess is never somebody who's been known to beat you off the dribble. Like he's, primarily a shooter uh but that was all they had that night mm-hmm. uh but like you know Dilo can do that against somebody like max struess in that moment so like mm-hmm. it will always be able to do that but it's it's just like the hidden six points that you're giving up totally. uh, throughout the game because you gave up an offensive rebound or you gave up a cut and it's like tough to notice it within the course over the course of 100 possessions but it adds up at the end of the day and it especially adds up when like you probably know it's part of the deal with D'Lo um, that you're going to give up four to six from him doing that. Uh, but you can't have that with Ant too because now you're getting up to 12 points and that's where you go from like a good defense to a bad one. Today's show is sponsored by Falling Knife Brewing Company and I've been telling you all season about Falling Knife's tap room and how it's set up for viewing with the sound on for every Wolves game this season, which will include Wednesday night against Indiana and Friday against Charlotte, but also want to let you know that they will be opening early on Friday at noon for the U.S. Men's National Team World Cup game, probably the biggest USMNT game in a long time. So if you're already planning on going to Falling Knife for Wolves Hornets at 4 p.m., have a day. Get there early for the World Cup game and stay for some Ant versus LaMelo. I think if you're coming into town for the holidays, this is a great way to check out the Falling Knife tap room and the Wolves experience there. Falling Knife team would also like to wish the whole Wolves community a happy Thanksgiving on their behalf. I think we're creating something cool here with with Falling Knife. As always, that's Falling Knife Brewing Company located in Northeast Minneapolis. This episode is brought to you by Land & Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try Land and Lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit. And I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before. But now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane MBA, no spaces. 
for 15% off at landandlore.com. That's L-A-N-D-L-O-R-E.com. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with that. And let's, let's move on from, from ant-specific defense to the way the wolves are being defended. And uh, one thing that's that stood out to me recently, particularly in the last three games of the of the winning streak, the Orlando, Philadelphia and Miami it sticks out most in the Miami game where they they played zone almost the entire night. And what, what I'm kind of focusing on here, too, is something that needs to not translate as well. And that's and that's the Wolves being a really poor offensive team when they are being defended by zone. Obviously, the first half of that Miami game was a disaster from a shooting standpoint. On the night, they they only made eight of their 28 threes when Miami was in zone, according to what Synergy says. And, and you know, and that's that's a, a concerning number. That's what the defense is is giving you there. But what is extra concerning to me there is that isn't an, an isolated thing. The Wolves have shot really poorly against zone the entire season. It was 28.6% against Miami, but when teams have played zone against them in the first 16 games of the season, according to Synergy, it's it's 21% from three. So uh, that means it wasn't, it wasn't just a one-night thing. It wasn't just the way Miami plays zone. Um, this is, to me, it just looks like they're bad against zone across the board. And I think you're seeing teams respond with that by the three games they face the most zone are Miami the most, Philadelphia the second most, Orlando the third most. That, you know, and there's other factors that go into why those teams are playing zone. But to me, Down that's bodies, indicating. Yeah. But but more so, it, it's it's maybe indicating to me that that's on the scout, right? Of like, this is a team who does not know how to how to function against zone at a at a high level right now. So what do you like? Do, do you think that could be a trend that continues? Is it maybe specific to the opponent and, and, you know, their ability to be able to do that? Have, do you think this will continue? I don't think you'll ever see a team throughout a season, get a heavy dose of zone because teams just aren't aiming to do it. It's mm -hmm. not like, it's not like what they're objectively trying to do with themselves. Um, so and teams always talk about like, okay, hey, we're worrying about ourselves. And that's true during the course of an 82 game season. Like you're not over scouting. Uh, so I think like, and, it, and it's basically going to come down to somebody's going to play zone. The wolves are going to hit like four threes against it. And then yeah. I think it'll kind of be kaput. Um, but like for sure now, like if, if you can't stay in front of Anthony Edwards, if he's getting hot, whatever the case may be, if, if you don't have somebody to guard cat, uh, especially in your second unit, like it's, it is like, well, this works against them sometimes. Let's just throw it in. It's usually with most teams, it's even like we don't practice it. But, you know, guys, go play a two, three zone out there. And uh, I think I think we can see doses of it in stretches um, for games when Minnesota is starting to get on a roll offensively. I think it'll be thrown in as a change up. Right. Um, and the biggest thing and guys have talked about this, like it's kind of counterintuitive because, yeah, you can just shoot a team out of it because you can get some good, decent looks. And if you can hit them all like you can get them out of it pretty quickly. But. Otherwise, like you do have to kind of drive the zone a little bit and shift shift the defense and get better looks that way where it's not so forced. Like right now, it's like pass on the perimeter, pass on the perimeter. Uh, I guess I'm kind of open. I'll just rip this one. Um, and it's all out of rhythm. And that's shots out of rhythm. We see it all the time. Don't go in. You got to drive it. 
force them to shift, force them to collapse, pass, pass, easy look in rhythm. And those are more likely to go down. The Wolves just don't have anybody who wants to consistently drive um, besides Cat. <laughs> but would ideally be who would ideally be the guy who's out on the perimeter catching the rhythm three and, and ripping it. Uh, so it, it is a little bit of like their roster construction makes it a little bit more interesting that you don't know if there is a great answer for the zone. It doesn't make sense because the zone should be what everybody wants the opposition to get into. But mm-hmm. Minnesota's struggling, and I'm not sure they will consistently be good at it. They will certainly have a night where they make a few open threes, um, even out of rhythm. But I don't know if they'll like consistently like be able to get teams out of it. You asked Finch about this after after Miami game. Let's let's play this this clip from Finch on the hesitancy against the zone. Well, I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to certainly like to see our, our wings, our guards penetrate a little bit more against those. Uh, I thought there was this one thing we showed them at halftime was there a lot of opportunities to penetrate. Yeah, well, these are open threes, but we can also put the ball in the deck because, there, you know, there might be not nobody for about 20 feet. Um, so go in there, drive it, and collapse the defense and make another play. You know, so it could be anybody. Uh, we, you know, Kat, we did a good job of finding Cat in the middle of that zone for a while. Kept us kind of like uh, alive offensively. What do you think is leading offense right now? It just doesn't seem like anybody um, is playing with a lot of force against that look. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They just seem reluctant to drive it or let it fly, or you know, um, you know, overlook our passing sometimes. I think you know, um, but we you know we got to we got to do something with the ball to commit another player to it. Uh, I don't know. I mostly like my favorite thing is and. So listeners can hear some of this. Like my favorite thing with Chris Finch answers is so often it seems like he's like, should I add another thought to this? Just cuts it off. <laughs> and then he just trails and he's like, uh, he got you again. <laughs> right yeah. <there>. Um, <laughs> and then you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, it's done. Like, oh, oh, we should ask another question. Uh, <laughs> those trail offs have been like a signature for him. And like they, they catch you off guard. And then I almost just laugh at them now. But, <laughs> so uh, do I. Um, yeah, so I, I went through and, and watched the the possessions against zone um, this morning. Not uh, not the Miami game. It's just like trying to because Miami game it just didn't feel like there was really anything there. Just looking for like the, the things that you know have worked, and I think the the one player that stood out to me that seems most comfortable in it is Torian Prince. And in a lot of ways, you know, he's kind of like the the best shooter on this team outside of Cat. Uh, as Finch said there, you know, Cats, oftentimes you want to get him in the middle there, that nail sort of drive thing, which he did against Miami well. Um, Prince Prince looks comfortable in it. I, I actually think like when D'Lo is not on the ball uh, and he's kind of like meandering and he can like flash, he's kind of good at finding the soft spots there, which at times, you know, if he kind of like flashes to 15 feet, he can kind of catch turn and have a really open mid-range shot there we didn't see that in in the Miami game like at all the zone just completely shut D'Lo off because you know that's he it it take it takes away those pick and roll mid-range jumpers that are a big part of his game right because you just can't really run a spread pick and roll against the zone and then D'Lo isn't really a get to the rim guy but in the in on the nights when D'Lo isn't shooting well teams are playing zone like the Miami game. Um, I, I think it is a good idea to sort of have Ant be the initiator in those situations and have D'Lo sort of 
use his feel there to flash and show and, you know, in theory, be a, a good passer through that doesn't always have to be catching it and, and shooting it immediately. That that's kind of the idea, right? Is penetration, but also just moving the ball quickly, like flash Delo, get it, kick the Prince, drop off to Rudy in the dunker. I mean, there, there's no reason they can't ping ping to go bear for like a dunk underneath the rim for Rudy to have zero shot attempts against Miami is is an indictment of of the ball movement against the zone in a in a big way in addition to the sort of self-indicting poor three-point shooting they've had against zone you listen to Finch's answer on that uh, and it's like there are driving lanes there yeah there are open shots but there's 20 feet of open space in front of you that's always kind of been a pet peeve of mine like especially bad shooters they're like well I'm open it's like well they're so far off you that you could actually <laughs> attack the rim right now yeah. um and come out with the full head of steam um, and and maybe a poor rim protector at the rim and score that way. But the biggest thing I think with the zones, and we've talked about this at least privately, is like the Wolves don't have very many guys who are comfortable playing off the catch. Like they've got a lot of guys who are comfortable with the ball in their hands, but not a lot of guys who are used to kind of standing on the perimeter and not just catch and shoot, but catch and be ready to take off as soon as you catch the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, like eat up the space, attack closeouts, those kinds of things, very prevalent against zones. Torian Prince is no doubt their best off the catch player. Um, and so it's not a big wonder, I think, that he would succeed against zone defenses and other guys would be a little bit caught off guard. Like, what do I do here? Do I just jack this open shot? Or And then by the time they decide whether or not to do that, now the zone has shifted um, because it's just not they play on the ball so much. It's not their instinct to be like, I catch what's my move right here. Um, they're so used to kind of sizing things up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The, the one guy who was hitting shots against the zone, threes against the zone, was, was Jordan McLaughlin, um, which is another one of the not specific to zone themes that you know I want to talk about potentially translating over is just J-Mac being able to to hit threes. Um, he obviously did that against Miami. Can, can he get out of his shooting slump? Can he be, you know, a low mid thirties three point shooter, but 
it was it was interesting going back to to watch those those zone possessions not in the Miami game because <clears throat> what they were doing with J Mac was they were giving him so much space to to shoot those threes. It was like the equivalent of going under the screen, but like on steroids, you know, where then J Mac, it's like, all right, I just, you know, kind of got to shoot this. The attack wasn't even really like, wasn't even really there. They were daring him to attack that. So when it is J Mac against zone, it feels like he has to take those. He just needs to take those threes and be able to make them at a decent clip to be able to, to play more. But, Outside of zone, even if J-Mac isn't shooting well or like it's getting to the point where I, I think his impact is just being, you know, it's just so obviously massive to the to this team right now with or without the shooting. I, that's, a, that's a lot on J-Mac on two sort of separate topics. But um, what, have, what have you just seen from from Jordan's? sort of shooting these last two games and, and your belief in in that being able to to carry over. Yeah, so I think it's the the truth on Jordan McLaughlin's shooting is somewhere between where he was at the end of last year, where when he re-entered the rotation, he shot like 40% from three and going like two for whatever to start the year. Like the truth is in between there. Um, and I think it will be one of those things where as the season plays out, it's probably going to be like 34, 35% three-point shooter. That's not great, uh, but it's, usable and he's only going to shoot one or two a game anyway so you're looking at like three points one way or the other uh being there off the board and it it does come down to like how do defenses defend him is it so not honest that it disrupts flow um and if that's the case then can he shoot and make uh and i think he can Uh, i i think it was kind of an aberration that he shot so poorly to start the year i talked to him a little bit about that and he's like yeah, you know, like, obviously, you don't want your slump to come at the beginning uh, because the numbers you look at and it's like, oh, but if that happened in January, you'd be like oh, a little bit of a cold spell here. Uh, so I think it's somewhere in between. I don't think he's he's not like this bad shooter. He's not Josh Kogi. And like, that's that's something that I think can kind of get lost in it. Uh, percentages wise, like Dilo takes tougher looks, but they're going to end up being in a similar ballpark. Usually, uh, I, I just don't think J-Mac is a bad enough shooter to make it something where you really have to kind of discount it against him. I understand if you think you have a lineup that needs shooting, yeah. uh, that he can't be a solution for that. Um, but I don't think it's like a major knock where it's like, well, he can only play so and so many minutes. Um, to me, it, it kind of has to come down to lineup construction if you're going to use that knock against him. Yeah, well, I, I think the interesting thing in, of, the, of what you just said there, it, and I agree with it, if it is you know one or two threes a night on average, like I, I do think he can be that 34 35% three-point shooter, I, I think a, a bigger question is when that role is expanded, if, well, when that role is expanded, because some games it is. We've seen a handful of games, Miami being another example, where Finch is intentionally limiting Delo's minutes, right? And that is going to lead to more bandwidth for J-Mac there. So the, the big question, we've never really seen this for extended stretches, or if we have, it was a while ago, where you know what what would it look like for J Mac shooting when he was in a bigger role and demanded to take more than one or two a night? Probably a little bit more difficult, a little bit more contested threes a night. Does that stay at thirty four percent? Does it go down to thirty two percent, or is it one of those things where now you're in the twenties and he starts you know turning him down? I think that sort of 
for the people who are like play J Mac more. Sure. Start D or start him over start him over D'Lo. Like I, I'm not you know totally poo pooing that idea. Obviously, a lot of the impact numbers suggest that should happen. That's 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 my hesitancy on that. And we've talked about this in the past. Is I don't know what that would look like for J Mac in a bigger role, bit more minutes, more three point shots, more difficult shots. And there are there is a chance it could go the other way. Um, sure. There are a lot of people who will attest to the point that it is hard to take one or two shots, you know, like mm-hmm. and and be expected to make it and have so much importance on it. Where if you are taking five, six shots and they're in the rhythm of the game, there is a decent chance you can make more as well. Now, like you mentioned, some of those looks are going to be more difficult too. Though I don't think like a huge number would be for him. Like that would kind of have to be. I think more grenade looks that would happen throughout the game, but um, he's not the type of player where he's going to be forcing himself in any type of tough looks. Like if he doesn't think he has a good look, he's going to get off of it. Uh, So I think it would be interesting just like, okay, now you're taking more in rhythm and and each shot doesn't feel like this big thing for you. Like, is that going down? Is that your night or not? Um, Could help, but could get worse too. Certainly could be something where, okay, now it's 29% and you can't play on these minutes. Yeah. And I, I think like again that that's a stance I've been on for a while of like being concerned about if it expanded, but it also even prior to the the four for five three point shooting night against Miami, like J Mac was shooting twelve percent from three, and the Wolves had their best offensive rating with him on the floor of anyone outside of Kyle Anderson. So it is just one of these things where it's like. All right, maybe it is a couple percentage points lower, or maybe it is a lot of percentage points lower. But if you just gave him more bandwidth, maybe you just need to trust the offense as a whole and whatever he lacks there, he's making up for in ball movement, in pace, in awareness. Um, there, there's, it's not just a this season, you know, sample size to be able to point to of that. The whole second half of the year last year, I mean, it was insane how how much like in that January, February run where the Wolves offense got significantly better, how impactful they were specifically when Jordan McLaughlin was on the floor. So yeah, to me, like, I think it just is getting to the point where I I think there's just a little bit, probably too much distortion. If you were to make a full on point guard switch, I'm I'm not saying that, but I'm kind of with Finch in this general idea of maybe if all the other starters are playing 34, 35, 36 minutes. It's okay if Delos 26 to 28, even if, um, you know, it, it just is okay. And then maybe he has having a, a good game like he did against Cleveland, and you can turn that up and turn McLaughlin down. But maybe that should be the baseline rotation right. of, of this group is, you know, 28 a night for, for Delo until you feel like you can rely on something more consistently. Cause you know, I mean, now we're 17 games in, right? Like this, this isn't, wasn't just a, a five game slump from Russell. It's been, you know, seven, 17 games, one game really good. I mean, how many of the others have, would you say have been good? Like just good from, from d Yeah. I would say that um, the start of the year, the first couple he yeah. plays playing relatively well. So we're probably, you can probably still count them on one hand, but it's not like one or two. Uh, it maybe is like five, uh, but that's not a good number. Uh, that's not a good percentage, certainly by any stretch. And like with J-Mac, you think this, uh, you know, like there are certainly fans out there who oh, long, long ago wanted this team to like rebuild around Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels. You know, like that was, and that's obviously long gone now. Like, no, it's not happening. Yeah. But 
the the thing for me that stuck out in the Memphis series was like, okay, those guys look like playoff players. Yeah, Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels do, and Jordan McLaughlin looked like a playoff player. Um, so like I am, we still don't know if Cat's a playoff player. We still don't really know if Dilo's a playoff player. So like I also don't mind in the regular season if you want to lean into the guys that you are confident you can trust when it matters more too. Um, I don't know, just a thought that I had as yeah, J Mac, Jaden, and Ant were going off in the third quarter. Of well, that that's Miami what I was going to say. The Miami game. I mean, it was well, that, and again, that's I don't have this clip, but that's what. Finch said after the game against Miami was it was Jaden and J Mac who who like I think what was the term he used engine uh of that win obviously Ant was too um I think he left Ant out because the defense you know wasn't there consistently Ant wasn't very good in the first half but but yeah you're you're totally right the 21 year old 22 year old and and Jordan's a little bit older but still younger in his NBA career. Those like were the third guys. NBA season, just like those guys. Yeah, true, or is it? Is it fourth? Maybe might fourth. Be fourth. He might. I think he. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was here the first Gerson year, right? But anyways, that point. Point being, I, I think that's. I I think yes, the playoffs right. is a is a good example of like yeah we we have seen that from from J Mac in in those in those times that are elevated right what whatever that might be regular season or or in the playoffs. Uh, I, I mean, we could if if you have another thing that that you are thinking about might be able to translate or not think about that, we can bring it up. But I, I want to before we're done, I wanted to for sure ask you about the Ant and Gobert comments in the locker room about fans to stop booing, partly just out of like my own uh, curiosity. I'm on the road, so I wasn't at that game on Monday was. Was it more booing than it has been at, at other games? I mean, I know I've been at all the other games. They, there, there has been booing at Target Center a, a handful of times. But what, what went into that? I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I couldn't hear it on the broadcast. Yeah, so I think it was surprising because it was definitely less booing than the other games. Um, and it was, you know, it was less, like, justified. They, they certainly were playing poorly in the first half. They were playing kind of similar basketball to what they'd been playing. Uh, but... It was more murmured. It wasn't like the same full on, like everybody's doing it. Um, I definitely noted it that they were getting booed again, but it wasn't as forceful. Okay. And it wasn't like elongated or anything like that. I think it was just like, you know, I think for the players, it's like, oh, we come back home. We're <laughs> in the middle of a winning streak. I think yeah, that yeah. probably rubbed them the wrong way. We've won three in a row and now four in a row as a result of that game. But here we are as winners of three in a row in this game where we're getting booed. And uh, then you feel safe but, being able to kind of say that after a win. After a win. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So it, it's just felt empowered at right. that point. It also is just like interesting to me as we always hear though, you know, you block out the noise and all, all that sort of stuff. Like that, that that's not what happens. Like players do hear this stuff. And, you know, I think clearly to at least some of them, it has, you know, it is an impact. It has a, it has a frustration though. I like, I liked your, uh, your tweet about, about that. Maybe you can get into, get into it a little bit where you're like, I think Wolves fans, really do have a good sort of feel for when the team isn't playing well specific, you know, to their, to effort. And that tends to be when they boo and that's sort of being fair. Why don't you elaborate on that? Yeah. I just, I think like it's the reason why people loved last year's team so much because last year's team was maximizing what it could do. I mean, it was bringing effort on a, yeah. game by game basis like they were never losing because they were getting outworked they were you know if they were losing it's because they their deficiencies just caught up to them and the other mm -hmm. team made them pay for it uh it, there's just something about are you getting 
everything you can out of what you have. And this group is clearly still not. And it's a, oftentimes it's because they're not putting in the work to do the extra little things. We know whether that's boxing out or making the extra defensive rotation or, or just moving the ball on offense. And like, those are just things that come down to like, do you want to win a basketball game or not? And the answer with their play at various times this season, including the first half against Miami, a team that was had eight guys played old Kyle Lowry, 44 minutes um, <laughs> would played in Cleveland the night before. And then Kyle Lowry came and played 44 minutes. Like that should have been another game where they kind of, you know, pushed push past Miami with relative ease um, and didn't because they didn't play well. Yeah. And fans, I think as much as anything, it's like, what is this? You know, it's frustrating to watch teams that don't look like they are playing to their maximum potential. Like you paid a lot of money to be there. They paid a lot of money to be on the court. I know it's like you're not going to have it every night, but there's nothing against that. You can't play hard every night. Um, yeah. Good teams do. And, you know, I, I liked Wolves fans. I think maybe part of it is like watching Kevin Garnett on a night to night basis that, that a lot of people grew up with, like really I'm good used point. To seeing even the best players play hard. Um, and again and again and again, and this is not that, uh, and I liked Chris Finch's answer on K Fan Radio yesterday. Um, he was like, "I think my thought is, if you don't want to get booed, play better." Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was a really powerful thing for the head coach to say after two of your star players called out the booing, yeah. basically to clap back at them <laughs> in your radio answer. Right. Um, and frankly, I I think Chris Finch has probably been just as frustrated as fans have um, with some of these stretches of play at home. Um, and you can say that's on the coach, but I'm just telling you, like even Greg Popovich has said before, like it's not on the coach to coach effort with a lot of these things. And the things that they're doing poorly, that they've done poorly, aren't as much about scheme as like, do you guys want to win games or not? Um, it's kind of up to you. So I, I think like fans, I think have been justified for in those moments of this is horrendous basketball and I'm going to voice my displeasure at it versus like, come on guys, please play hard. Like <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, please. You know, like right. I get it. I, I totally understand the people who say, Hey, it doesn't help uh, because you're probably right. And you're there to support the team. I get that. But I also get that you are just frustrated watching what we've watched on a fair amount of home game nights specifically. Yeah. I, so what I'm thinking about as you as you brought up the the KG point, which I I think is you know a real one for you know people who are our age or or older, um, right. who who did grow up watching KG, they did see that effort consistently from the best player. I also think part of it too, and like you know my hand raised here as well. Uh, I, I think a lot of Wolves fans. Um, you know, the ones who are kind of like, you know, diehards, they have season tickets, they're, they're watching all these games. I would guess that when those people, again, hand raised, played basketball, they were the type of people who tried really hard uh, and maybe didn't have all of the natural talent and skill and and those sort of things. So you like, again, it, it's maybe it was 20, 30 years ago or whatever, but like you play basketball, you like, you know, I know that effort is a is a choice and. And it, it helped, you know, it, it helped me when blah, 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 like when, when I played. And so there's some sort of this like added frustration. I think that's a little bit specific to the Wolves fan base because it has in a lot of ways been whittled down from maybe some more of the, the casual NBA fans just due to the losing. And it's really, you know, cultivated, which, you know, we both love this like diehard, smart version of of an nba fan that if i had 
to picture that person when they played basketball. I bet they played hard. Like, are you with me on that? Like, right, I, I right. think that's absolutely, thing. absolutely. Yep, yep. Um, all right. Uh, is there anything like else quick, just from something you're you're questioning to be able to to translate uh, from from this from this winning streak or feel that you know needs needs to translate to to lead to to more wins here going forward? Yeah, I, I do think um, a positive has been. And I think it is a product of the fact that the team is moving the ball more and whatnot. But like Jane McDaniels, I think has has played more like the player that people hoped he would play like um, in the last. And it's extended even beyond this winning streak, even in the couple losses before that. Like he has just been more active offensively as well, um, and he's played good defense, and he's and he's fouled a little less. And I, but I think the biggest thing is with the foul trouble, so much of it often comes down to one or two of them are like, why did you push that guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chris Finch has called out like the team. He hasn't said Jane McDaniels, but I think the team and Jane's not alone in this. Like he's like so much of our foul trouble is like, you know, like the little frustration. petulance. Yeah. yeah. Frustration and petulance. And Jane, we see do that once or twice a game, particularly, I think it's more likely when the offense isn't going, mm-hmm. but he's just been such a part of the offense. And it's because there's been rhythm and flow that really allows him to be himself um, and have just purely had the opportunities to attack or, yeah. or take open shots or, or, you know, like go off the bounce, those types of things. Um, and I always say like, yes, the team is moving the ball better. Uh, I do think part of it can come down to opponent and, in these last four games and like, what is the resistance against it when it's easy to do? A lot of people will do it. What will you do now when it's more difficult? Um, that has to keep up because then that gets Jane McDaniels going. And when Jane McDaniels is going, this team is undoubtedly a better version of itself. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, a really good one. And I think we had, he was one of the players where we had so many questions about this year. Like we knew it was going to look a little different, right? Then that's just natural with age progression. we, we see him, the clips of him in the pro-am and stuff like that. You see him handling more, doing more things. And it just opens your mind up the idea that, man, this Jane McDaniels guy who we already know is a really strong defender, like he can do more things. And it's it's been interesting that it's been more sort of like small things. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's just shooting a little bit better. There is a little bit more of off the off the catch dribbling attacks. It's he's expanded things a little bit across the board in every element of his offensive game, not necessarily like jarring in any one way. And what I think is kind of distracted from that is like of his growth a little bit this season is the idea that the fouling hasn't really gotten better. I was just looking it up yesterday and, you know, it's cat second in the league in fouls. And I think Jaden is fourth, which is exactly (laughs) what it was last season. Like, or you know, not exactly, but but basically. Sure. Um, and so I think, and, and even for me too, like I, I'm, we wanted Jaden to take a step forward and do more things, but we also wanted to, him to get better at the things that he was poor at, which was fouling defensively. He's still grown despite fouling a ton, and I think th- you're right that that does need acknowledgement, and it certainly it certainly needs to to translate here in these these next few games. <laughs> yeah, the fouling thing, I just don't know when that's going to go away either because you do oftentimes, like, three or four fouls a game are going to happen because you're going up against elite players. Yes. And and they are guys who, yep, they're going to get calls and you can say, well, that wasn't a foul. And it's like, yep, that's true. Uh, you know, or like, that's a really tough call. Yep, that's true. But when you're going up against the Luka Doncic's of the world, they're going to get those calls. And they're also crafty enough to make things look like fouls. Like, 
That's the assignment. Um, and that's totally just why, like, he's always going to be up higher in fouls because he is going to be relied on, frankly, from the team perspective, more than a lot of even other good defensive stoppers are because the Wolves, as you mentioned, have like no one else. So when he's on the court, he's going to be doing that no matter what the assignment is, really. Uh, and so that's where it's just like, you can't get frustrated when your shot isn't falling, when the ball movement isn't as good, so you aren't as involved offensively. So, like, you can't then have, like, that one little push um, that just draws that cheap. The pick and roll is just starting, and you push the screen or foul. Um, that pushes you kind of over the edge there. Like, that's that's where I want to see more growth from him because I'm not worried about him just fouling defensively against good players. Like, that's just going to happen. Totally. Um, but you got to cut the other stuff up. Yeah, no, I think that's a... a- a good place to kind of wrap up the translation uh, segment of this. Let's uh, let's wrap up the pod, Jace, with uh, our our prize picks that we've been been doing all season. Um, Jace and I pick from the the Thursday slate uh, two NFL picks. We've done it all season, or since the NBA season started. Jace started coming on the pod. We're both nine and nine uh, entering week twelve. How uh, many? Do you know uh, how many weeks I have hit two and zero? Oh? Uh, or have I just literally been living on this like one in one stretch? It feels like I'm going one in one every single week. I, I think just because I remember one time you texting me being like, hey, I got both of my picks right. I think so that might have got it one time. <laughs> yes. Got both of them right one time. And then I guess that would mean all the others except for one. You've you've been <laughs> you've been one in one. Like it. But you're you're right. It it doesn't. It what matters is being able to to string together uh, multiple picks together. So so yes, our nine and nine sounds okay, but it's actually kind of bad. <laughs> I think it's, I, it's worthless. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so maybe I I will say, and I have a better record uh, when I'm doing it with Kyle because I'm picking from all the Sunday games, right? And we have been isolated to just you know a more limited amount of options when when we choose from thursday at least this week we have we have more games to pick from so maybe that means that i don't know that, that we could we could get two and oh it's bills lions giants cowboys pats vikings on on thanksgiving do you have um do you have one that 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 you want to start with that stands out to you yeah um i'm just so confident that as he has kind of struggled for a couple games here that on this big stage against a soft opponent, um, he's going to light it up. Josh Allen, I'm going more than two and a half pass rush receiving touchdowns. Uh, I, I just think he's going to score multiple times. Uh, and I think it's going to be one of those where the Bills win 48 to 10 and people talk again about how good the Bills are and, and people stop talking about Josh Allen struggling. Uh, they're in Detroit. I think they're going to fly back even though they played in Detroit yep. on Sunday and then again Thursday. But either way, um, he just played there. There's some comfort there. I think it's one of those Bills routes incoming. So so that's interesting. I, I was kind of... I was, I was kind of going through all of the, the Bills ones looking at it and I found myself just, you know, this random guys like Dawson Knox. I'm like, I would probably pick under 37 and a half receiving yards. Devin Singletary, his is like 77 and a half um, rushing plus receiving yards. And it kind of, kind of gave Davis down the line. And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna short uh, the, the bills in general. So I think it's the first time we've ever had it where we've had one that's kind of gone the opposite. Like we've picked the opposite sides of this. Oh yes. Though, though not exactly. Well, the one I have oh, down okay. is, is Josh Allen less than 285 and a half passing yards. Okay. So it's kind of, it's kind of against each other. It's one, one of us taking a big Josh Allen game 
um, and and one of us not. But I guess there they is a world they, they could. Yeah, they, they could both hit. Um, but yeah, then I'll just do my my second one too. Uh, I was I was looking at that. I, I like the rushing plus receiving um, one on there. I don't know. That's I just feel like you could kind of get screwed if you just pick like one, particularly for a running back, right. rushing or receiving. Um, and and what what stood out to me was that Ramondre Stevenson was higher than Dalvin Cook. And yeah. and I was, you know, obviously he's still kind of like the main guy in that Patriots backfield. But Damian Harris is there. Like, I think we know with Belichick, he's not just going to really like do the thing that seems obvious in that sort of way. Like, I think Harris will will be in the mix there. I also think, I mean, the Patriots, they didn't score an offensive touchdown last week. don't think they're a great offense. And to like, for me to bet on like, any one player having a big, nearly like hundred yard scrimmage performance like that, 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 that one, you know, I'm going against that too. So Ramondre Stevenson, less than 90 and a half rushing plus receiving. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, like Damian Harris had a good week last week too. I think wouldn't be surprised if he got a heavier dose of work yeah. regardless, because he's just a good player. Uh, I'm also taking a Patriots one and I'm going, Oh, excuse me. No, I'm going under on this one. Uh, <laughs> So it's it's the Vikings one. I'm going under on Kirk Cousins, two fifty and a half yards uh, passing. I, I just think that like the Patriots pass rush is pretty dang good, and it's like maybe only behind Dallas. And we saw what Dallas did to yeah. Minnesota last week, um, and how they kind of swallowed up that offense. And now it's a kind short of. week, and Minnesota's got to lick wounds with a with a hurting offensive line. Like I'm not saying Minnesota can't win this game. I think they might win it, like you know, seventeen fourteen or something. But I do not think Kirk Cousins will have a big passing yards day i wouldn't be surprised if they tried to mix in a fair amount of running to help out the offensive line i just don't think they'll have to air it out or they will want to air it out in a low scoring game right nope i i'm i'm with that one with that one too and i'll just add that prize picks has a promotion where it's they're like giving out a free square on justin jefferson yes um, where it's you know 0.5 receiving yards so if justin jefferson has one yard or more um they're they're giving you that pick for for free in your you know, in your set of picks. So make sure to throw that one in there too, if you're, you know, and, and do that, but before the, these Thursday games start, because again, that's a, that's a free square in there. Uh, as always, um, you can, and if you haven't yet signed up for a prize picks account, you can do that at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app. It is not a, it is not a sports book. So you are allowed to play um, in Minnesota. It's daily fantasy. Uh, and again, as always, if you do want to sign up and, and create an account, uh, you can get a $100 sign-up bonus if you use the promo code Dane at sign-up. All right, Jace, we got uh, what? What? Is, give me a percent chance that by Sunday, when I see you next at Target Center, that the Wolves will be on a six-game winning streak, having beaten on the road both Indiana and Charlotte. Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Okay. Is that high? Is that low? Well, it's almost even tonight. Like even the odds makers, it's like mm-hmm. it's like fifty five percent Minnesota tonight. So then I'm pairing that with the odds of probably like I don't know sixty five percent that they win in Charlotte. It's like even if you're better than Charlotte, winning in Charlotte the day after Thanksgiving doesn't seem easy either. Mm-hmm. So they got game. smoked on the day after Thanksgiving in Charlotte last year, right? That was yep. That was the night before they won the double overtime game yes. against Philly. Uh, you know, for me, I, I don't have a really good feel on. On either of those teams, I know Indiana's playing well right now, but it's kind of like if they're on a five-game winning streak, and the last two are against Orlando. 
and it's that bare bones version of Orlando. So as much as we're like, you know, cheapening the some of the Wolves wins, I kept if you're doing that, you got to kind of do the same thing with Indiana. I don't I don't think that is like a a great team. I think it's a team that's playing well right now. They're kind of getting labeled as like the Utah Jazz of the East. I, I, I'm not sure. Again, I haven't I haven't watched enough of them to really have a strong opinion. But I I, I think as you tweeted out, the Wolves are favored in that game. I would I would agree with that. I think I would take the Wolves minus the the one and a half in that one. And then Charlotte is on the road, but they're like four and thirteen or something like that. So yeah, if they were both coin tosses, that'd be a twenty five percent chance of of them winning both. And so I'm kind of with you on that that 38, maybe 40 some percent chance that it's a six game winning streak, which will be such a just such a flip of uh, where we were, you know, two weeks ago when this team was at what would have that been, you know, five and eight. Like, despite, you know, they would have been taking advantage of the schedule in front of them. And that was not something I think we would have been confident in saying this Wolves team could do two weeks ago. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens. Wednesday night in Indiana and Charlotte on Friday. Again, I'll be back on Saturday to discuss that with Kyle Tige. Uh Happy Thanksgiving. And Jace, happy Thanksgiving to you, man. I'll, uh, I miss you. Yeah, dude. I know. <laughs> Not being able to be there Monday is weird. I turned around to like say my comments and there was nobody there to receive them. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like Jordan, that. Jordan McLaughlin's making four threes. Every one of those you would have turned around and given I me. know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, instead, I'm doing it's like bread. It's just not the same. But anyway, happy Thanksgiving to you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners out there. Enjoy the holiday, guys. Uh, he's Jace Frederick at Jace Frederick on Twitter. You can uh, read that piece we were discussing uh, up at the Pioneer Press. Um, until Saturday, he's Jace. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah. Green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.